As I mentioned last week, we're staying with this passage in Matthew 21 for two weeks because it's the New Testament text for our Lenten small groups that are meeting throughout these, uh, throughout these weeks, these 40 days leading up to Easter. A topic last week in the, in the series was a prayer for the world from Psalm 98, and this week it's a prayer for the king from Psalm 110. So this, these, are the, these are the passages from Psalms that, that we'll all be reading or you'll be reading or studying as, as we, the small groups continue. Last Sunday morning, we began with the discussion about the question, who is Jesus to you? Taking as our prompt the, the words in verse 10 of this text we've just heard, as the whole city asked the question, who is this? Who is this? And we initially answered this, that this picture of Jesus is not, not without confusion because he's a king in terms of he's someone who could wage war, but at the same time, he's also the prince of peace. So this is a bit of a conflicted picture, really. A king is someone who could lead an army, but this king is seated on a donkey, which was a clear sign that he came in peace into the city of Jerusalem. Today, I'd like to continue this discussion by emphasizing the other side of this equation. We talked about the Prince of Peace. Jesus is seen by the crowds, though, as the one who will rescue them. And there are calls for him to do so. They take this ancient form found in Psalm 118, 25. They use the word Hosanna. And we sang the song, we sang the word Hosanna today. And that's actually, you're going to hear it again next week, because next week is Palm Sunday. We'll be singing and talking about Hosanna, and this word, Hosanna, means literally, save, we pray. Save, we pray. And it's used as a cry of greeting and also a cry of homage. It's like saying, glory to the king, Hosanna. Welcome to the king. And it assumes that the king is someone who can do something. Save us now is the prayer. The, the palm branches on the, uh, that are being waved, the cloaks that are laid on the road were basically the equivalent of rolling out the red carpet to honor the king. Because the king is the one who can make things right when things are wrong. The king is the one who can save. The king is the one who can rescue the people. So here's what I'd, where I'd like us to pause and just reflect for a few moments this morning on the kingship of Jesus. When the people cried, Hosanna in the highest, they were basically asking God to rescue them. Asking God to bring his highest power. Hosanna in the highest. God, use your highest power Use your best power of salvation. 
In the words of Dale Bruner, this cry is asking God to pull out all the stops, to save us from the sources that are the deepest, as we would say, or the highest, as the Hebrews said. Bruner's other translation of this cry is this. He has in his translation of Matthew 21, God save in the best way. So the phrase, in the highest, is actually not in the original Old Testament psalm. It's added by Matthew, the gospel writer. And it's very possible that it's his way of saying, we need an unusual salvation. I wonder... Have you ever sensed that you needed this kind of rescuing? That you were in trouble so deep that the only way you would make it is if something truly amazing happened. That you needed an unusual rescue, an unusual salvation. Has that ever been true of you? My guess that unless that is true for you, your experience of faith is likely not that big a part of your life. That might be a part of your life, but not a, a really big deal for you. Unless you have come to the point of needing an unusual salvation. You've come to the point in your life where you really, really needed to be saved. If you have been in a place like that, a place where you didn't think you could go on, if you had made a mess of your life and wondered if there was any hope for the future, or, or if you have been so desperate that, that you'd try almost anything, and you reached out for Jesus then I think you know what I'm talking about. This, you know, this, this is more really than just lining up and having Jesus stamp your ticket to heaven. <laughs> when you feel you need an unusual salvation, you know that you need something along the lines of the miraculous in order to just be able to go on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just need to be rescued. The trouble is that some of us don't realize how close we've come to the worst possible thing ever. The worst possible thing being separated from God forever and ever. And we, we tend to take something for granted. That the greatest event in history was when Jesus saved us from that when Jesus saved us from being separated from God forever. When we talk about Jesus as Savior, this is what it means, folks. Sometimes you need to be saved. When we were little kids, my parents owned a boat. 
I thought a lot of people had boats like this. Uh, it was only when I got older I realized that we were um, pretty privileged. This boat was like, you know, 50 feet long. It was, it was a yacht, small yacht, I guess. But um, we took vacations on it every summer. And that boat had what we called the swim step. If you can picture the back of a boat, the stern, the transom, the very back of the boat, there was a, like a platform that stuck out um, parallel to the water, about 10 inches off the water. And some people call it a swim platform. We call it a swim step. And it's all along the back of the boat. So you could walk out and you could stand on it. And we would, um, we would jump into the water from the swim step. We would dive into the water um, over and over again. It was low enough so you could climb um, up out of the water onto it. And we did so over and over and over again. Jump off climb up, jump off, dive in, jump in, you know, back dives, front dives, everything we practice. It's a great place to practice your diving because it's so close, you know. So if you belly flop, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> so we would spend a lot of time on the swim step, swimming and just kind of being, and when we were little, we, you know, of course, wear life jackets and that kind of thing. So um, although the life jackets in the 50s and 60s were um, not as good as they are now. Sometimes it was just flotation around your waist, you know, that would kind of go up under your arms and get stuck. But anyway, this is, this is what we did. One of those times swimming and, and jumping in and diving in and up and in and out, in and out, um, my sister Dorothy jumped or dove into the water, I don't know which, um, but she accidentally came up underneath the platform and was disoriented. She hit her head on the platform, which had these little supports under it, kind of, you know, a platform was like this and the supports were like that. And so I think she came up and she hit her head on the, on the support, and, uh, which hurt a lot. Because you know, you're coming up expecting to find air and you come up and you hit the top of your head. So it caused her to go back under the water right when she was expecting to breathe. You know what that's like? And then she struggled back to the surface again, and the same thing happened. And it happened over and over. She came up, and she hit her head, and she'd go back under, and she hit her head and go back under. And I don't remember how old she was. Um, she, I mean, we were all little, but even though she was likely wearing some kind of flotation, as I said, she was panicking, and she was struggling under there, but quietly invisible to everyone, because we were all playing and doing different things. So nobody knew what was going on. She was coming up and hitting her head and going back under and coming up and hitting her head and going back under. Fortunately, my other sister, Margaret, <clears throat> who's just one year older than Dorothy, like a, maybe a year and a half, she was paying attention. She was, she was thinking, where's Dorothy? Margaret always kind of looked out for Dorothy. And she could hear this boom, boom. She kept hearing it. So she reached down and she pulled her panicking sister to safety, you know, gasping and, and sputtering. So this whole ordeal became like a kind of legend in my family. These two little girls, you know, and this legend of the day that Margaret saved Dorothy from drowning. And, you know, we always talk about it. This would come up as, you remember that scene in the, the, the movie um, uh, White Christmas where the character played by Danny Kaye would turn to the Bing Crosby character, and he'd go, oh, you know, <laughs> because apparently he had saved, saved him. So 
I don't, I don't know if Dorothy did that very much, or, or Mar Margie did that for, for Dorothy very much, but it was absolutely, we always grew up knowing that one, my one sister had saved the life of my other sister. She rescued her from drowning. You know, we sometimes talk about Jesus as Savior without realizing the word save or salvation literally means rescue. Rescue. The reality is that without Jesus, you and I were like my sister under that swim step. No matter how hard we tried, no matter how strong we were, when we tried to save ourselves, we, we, we only came up and hit our heads against our own sin our tendencies to do what will hurt ourselves, our tendency to do what would hurt other people, and eventually separate us from God. Jesus is the only king who is able to reach down and rescue us, which he did by taking all of our sin onto himself when he died on the cross of Calvary. And by doing so, he saved us in the best way. We needed an unusual salvation, and he provided it. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, the people hailed him as king, and they cried out, please save us. Notice that Jesus did not correct them. At other times and places earlier in his ministry, he tried to keep them quiet when they said these kinds of things. You know about that. When people might reveal his true identity, he said, shh, don't tell anybody. But on this day, he actually arranged for his entrance into Jerusalem to be like this. It was he who told his disciples to get the donkey and the colt. It was part of his plan to ride into town that way the way that it was a signal to everyone that he was coming just as the prophet Zechariah had foretold, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt in the fold of a donkey. Here's what we need to realize today, folks. In the ancient world, when the king came into town, he was there to set things right. Whatever had been out of place would now be fixed. Jesus knew that this was the expectation, and he was willing to do it. And the amazing thing was that he knew it would all end the way it did. The same crowds who cheered and cried, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, would later crucify him. when he was sentenced to death in the mockery of a trial. He was, he was doing this because he knew that he was bringing peace, waging peace between God and humanity once and for all. His sacrifice was perfect, the unusual salvation that we needed. And this act of salvation is something only Jesus could do for you and me. And so this morning... We celebrate and remember this in this meal before us. The bread 
is his body, which was given freely for us. The cup is his blood spilled for us, his very life given so that we might live. So folks, come to this table, all you who are in need of an unusual salvation. Those who feel like we've made a mess of our lives and need the king to come and put things right. Those of us who are so aware of our own sin because it is ever before us. Because of what maybe we've done. Come and find that your Savior has prepared a meal for you that celebrates the fact that you are no longer a slave to fear, as we often sing, or to anything in this life that keeps you from him. Come to the table of grace and mercy and life everlasting. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let's pray. Father, I remember a youth pastor saying once that what we need, what we kids really need, is to remember what we've been saved from. We forget that Jesus died to set things right, and only the true king is powerful enough to accomplish that. So Jesus, we come to you today with this simple request, please put us back together again. Lord, we need you. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. Help us, Lord, to remember and to live in the awareness of your great gift. We pray through Christ. Amen.